one. Dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Uh, I we didn't even know who was going to start. Uh, so welcome to Inside the Firm podcast about two principles uh, in architecture firm, which we also talk about applies to all business. Um, how you can grow, how architects can take more responsibility, grow their business. One of the big projects we're doing right now is a design build. So we're chronologically going through that and then going through just general office stuff. So And who are you guy who just talked? I'm Al Gore. And I am Lance Psycho. Um, first, we have some shout outs. First, Mark LePage, um, Entree Architect podcast. Go listen to him. He's great. Second shout out is to Young Architect, uh, Young Architect podcast. They, they gave us a review. Uh, I don't even know if you know this. I so, don't know this. So I, if you are listening to this and like this, please give us an honest review on iTunes. It helps a lot. You you have to go to the your iTunes on your computer. You just can't do it on your phone. Uh, iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud. Uh, those are the three ways you could you could uh, review us. Actually, even uh, Facebook. You go to our Facebook page, review us there. Follow us on Twitter. Yep, exactly. I wish they'd make reviewing on your phone. I don't know why, but go to no, your. You I- actually have to go to iTunes on your computer on your computer what a pain in the apple yep so young architect is another podcast bunch of different resources go check them out uh he said he just listened this was his review to the first five episodes while walking his dog and loved it thanks for taking the time to create this podcast it's very valuable research for future young architects that's a subtle plug right there i like how he did that nice (laughs) and other design professionals to learn from your experience great job guys keep it up um so please do that. Thanks. Welcome to the podcast. And Lance, I got to go. Uh, you talked about how one of your friends, Corey, used one of our advice, but he's not an architect. What was that about? Exactly. And Alex mentioned earlier, so I'm going to try to pull it up quickly. The the message that he sent me was actually a personal message because he's a personal longtime friend. Um, so he sent me a message the other day on, on, on Facebook, and he's not an architect, but he still listens to us because he, he likes us <laughs> as people. Uh, and maybe our voices aren't too terrible to listen to. But uh, what he's had to say was, he said, Lance, I'm learning from your podcast. I wrote an email to a customer this morning and gave the person two times. Uh, I'd be around at the clinic and seeing if we could meet based on my agenda. And she responded by asking tomorrow if that would work with me. So one of the things I think, I don't know what episode it was, I think episode two or three, Alex and I said, every time we go out of town, we try to, we don't always do this, but we try to uh, let people know who we want to meet that will be in town. And and just just on a, on a off chance that we'd be able to meet with them, Alex told a story about how he's able to meet with uh, NBC in New York uh, one time just because schedules lined up. Uh, we kind of believe in like the universe working in that fashion for us. So uh, as Alex mentioned, this isn't. I think everybody <clears throat> everybody who's business minded or an entrepreneur could can learn from the podcast. Yeah. Um, so it's basically take advantage of of those situations. Okay. We got some listener questions, which is which is uh, we think absolutely uh, amazing. Um, so this one is from Caleb. Uh, he's down here in Denver, and I'm gonna ask you the question so you can just answer them. Okay? All right, Caleb. Thank you for answering the que- asking the questions. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do about health insurance, especially when you're first starting out? You mentioned ADP for payroll. Where do you get? Were you able to get on ADP health insurance plan as a small business, or were you using a private plan? Uh, I'll answer the question just exactly how we how we did it. <laughs> so when Alex and I first went off uh, on our own and started this firm, we basically paid for catastrophic out of the box, uh, uh, just catastrophic plans um, that were just straight from 
uh, I'm not going to dr- name drop, but insurance companies, right? It was just Anthem. I, we just went, right? Blue Cross Blue, Blue Shield. Cross Blue Shield is a good one. Uh, yeah. And I actually think there's only, they're only one of two. Be- so I think Kaiser and Anthem are the only ones you can get still in Colorado because of the, the Affordable Care, yeah. Health Care Act, right? There's one more, but I can't remember their name. It, and is, I don't it, even it know. is some other one. So that now, that was before Obamacare came out. Um, and so they were cheap plans, but they were effective for us. I still think that's pretty good for, I still think that approach works. Um, you can still do the catastrophic plans, but not if you're over 25. So know that. Uh, but basically at, at the end of the day, you're taking a risk and by just starting the business. So I think maybe you're comfortable at that point getting one of those catastrophic plans. Catastrophic means you're going to pay a very low monthly premium, but then on the back end of that, you are going to pay a very hefty uh out of the box or out of the pocket out of the out of, out of pocket fee yeah but it it actually probably more aligns with the idea of insurance because insurance now like you get all these checkups right but if you think about insurance for cars you pay for your oil change you only pay you only don't pay uh for insurance when you bust your car and you pay your deductible so yeah. like it's kind of weird how health insurance works and just to give you some money back in the day i remember my plan just for myself was 140 i bet you you were probably around the same amount Back eight years ago. I think I was just a dollar or two more than him because we're only two years age difference. Yep. And then we looked into whether we should do it as a business and it was like 220. For some reason, it almost doubles. Yeah. When you try to go to a business plan. And I bet, right, you can probably deduct that. But maybe your deductible goes down and then maybe it also is deductible from your tax. Yeah. So that you have less taxable gross income at that point. And they probably know the difference. So they probably, that's why it costs more is because they know that you're going to deduct this much from taxes. So you could do that. But just to give you some perspective, so 140 for just me. I now have a wife and one child and it's above 700. So like he was asking because he's like, isn't that a big concern? And I immediately wanted to say, well, you can't, you can't base whether or not you're going to start a firm off of health insurance. But if it's 740 like mine, I don't know, maybe you do. <laughs> that's maybe a lot do. of, that's almost a mortgage right there. Especially if you have a, a big college um, loan that's taken out that you got to make. We have on. friends that are paying still between 500 and a thousand dollars a month just for their student loans. So if you add that in with health insurance too, like Alex was saying, I mean, it's basically a mortgage. Plus you have rent to take care of. And like at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if you, you don't, probably don't have any money left. So yeah. I get it. I get health. And then the other thing is I try to keep this in perspective and Alex uh, is that Alex and I do not have any reoccurring health problems. And, and some people do. And so well, I tend he, to break my bones every once every two years. So once every two years, he has a health problem. But besides <laughs> that, he is in great shape. Yeah. So next question, Lance, and this is a, lo- a long one. So the big major one is why start a business? And then he goes on. Is it purely a case of having t- uh, to find a way to feed yourself and your family? Is that like, was that the only case? Is it situation? What about in a good economy? Um, is a desire and urge still there even if you're having your basic needs met or exceeded? So let's say you're making 75K, you know, at, at a regular firm. Um, I'm just showing that number out there because that's the number where they say above that will not increase your happiness. Um, after running your own business, could you go back to working for someone else? These are some of the thoughts I've had and maybe you'll find them. Oh, great question. That last one was awesome. Not that the other two weren't good. Yeah. Uh, so, so refresh me. The first question was what? Just why start a business? Yeah. If so personally, 
and I, and I've said this over and over again, it's for me, it's personal flexibility. So I have now four kids. Alex jokes that I have 70,000 kids, Yeah, but a lot of kids, right? Um, I have a lot of kids (laughs) and I also run a community garden and I also run uh, F9 and I also, we also teach Teach. at the university of Colorado Boulder and I also just have a life. So for me, it's personal flexibility. Uh, I still work at a minimum, uh, 45 to 50 hours a week, but that 45 to 50 hours a week of billable time that I try to put, it's probably not that much billable time, but it is that much time in front of a computer, me sitting there. It still happens like, uh, how about this? I'll describe my Monday of this week is Monday was, um, wake up, do my personal meditation stuff and for an hour and do myself, learn some Spanish and then get ready, get, get the kids to school, then get into the office, work for a couple hours, go back to the, back to the house. I got to take care of some personal stuff there, like the chickens and just dealing with like, uh, we have repair people coming because we built a new house back to the office, pick up the kids after about two hours of work there, back to the home office, then make supper finish supper, go back to my home office. So like if I didn't have that personal flexibility for myself as a, as a guy who has a big family and, and other big priorities to do, I, um, I wouldn't feel fulfilled. So for me, it's, it's flexibility. And I think the same thing actually, I even would speak for Alex here is now that he has a baby, he totally needs that kind of flexibility because he goes home and he, he, he and his wife do a great job. Shout out Annie. To, Shout out uh, Annie. God bless yeah, her. Okay, yep. <laughs> What up, hon? She, uh, they, they do a great job of like, he tries to give her a break because she's a stay-at-home mom. So if he comes home for lunch, then she can go out and she can have a break. Um, but he couldn't do that, I don't think, if he was working at a, at a different, at a regular place. And then the thing that we try to, uh, we try to do for our employees is that we try to have them, we try to be flexible for them too. So some people have to go to doctor's appointments. Some people have like their cars break down and then we're like, well, just work from home if you have to. But it seems to be, I think it's the way to conduct business. And for me, that's what it's about is is personal flexibility more than anything. And I would add on to why start a business. Um, It's up to your personality. I wouldn't let people force you into trying to start a business or trying to feel bad if you're not, because um, what what if you really just like design? So one of our buddies, uh, I'll shout him out. Derek Maher is really good at design. And I think he actually gets a lot of design work where he's at. So we could harass him when we go fishing and say, hey, start your own firm, start your own firm. Well, now, like Lance alluded to, our billable hours are down, but that's why our billable rate is high because you have to manage all this stuff. I throw almost all my design work to all the guys here. I think you throw a lot of it too. Not that I don't, one, I'm awesome at design. Just amazing. Seriously, he's just supposedly the best. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But there's just so many different things thrown at us and- Another thing that so I, so what he's getting at is if uh, our friend Derek, who is very good at design and, and loves to do that part, if he had to start his own business, well, guess what he'd have to be doing? He'd have to be go out there meeting the clients, going to the, you know and coordinating with engineering. So like he's found his own niche within like his yeah. own work. So maybe starting a business for him is not the way to go. Plus, and some I, people don't like the risk. I know for a fact Derek is a he, he thinks like very deeply and methodically about what he's doing. You know, he's not as stupid as Alex and I have to just jump in and do stuff. Exactly. So, and we're just making up, we know our friend Derek, but we're just making up this profile. So let's just pretend that Derek likes where he's at. He likes to fish and he's having a kid. Why throw all that stress of, of having a business? Like why throw all that craziness? It's not for everybody. And and if you're having a good, you know, if you're getting a decent living, that that's totally fine. But on the other hand, like what I really love, like about having a business and I don't know if, 
I could have thought about this when we were just starting because when we were just starting, it was just the recession, right? And I don't know if I could go back to working for someone because I really don't like doing what people tell me to do. You're jumping ahead. Okay. I won't go. So, (laughs) but I will remind you of that because I wanted to talk about that too. Um, Uh, second part of the question. So, but going back to me personally, like, I don't know if we could have foresaw like working at the school, like working at CU is so fulfilling. We just had our, it wasn't, it was before our midterms. We came and everyone's doing their ideas for their bridge or their house that they're designing all these we engineering We teach two students. classes. One is a peer Revit course and another one is sort of a pseudo studio for us. Studio. It's, it's a studio, studio for, for engineering students, for freshman engineering students. And these kids are amazing. Like, I think we really help them out because again, what this podcast is about and what we always try to do is like give everything out. If you have a question, we'll answer it. Um, if we have a resource, we'll give it. So just like in school, we take all of our firm resources and we give them to these kids. And they produce amazing renderings, amazing designs. ENVD, which is actually architecture, like comes over and like, man, are these third year, fourth years? I'd love to have them in my class. And we're like, no, these are freshmen. These are freshmen engineering students, that, not architecture students. That when we tell them, this is your design course, they come up and they're like, I don't know how to be creative or design. I feel like I shouldn't be in this course. We say, don't worry about it. We're going to teach you everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, 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 they're petrified. <laughs> yeah. So, like, doing that is super cool. Doing this uh, development that we're doing is really cool. But, um, man, it's also crazy, too, because we, we just got a decent uh, um, bonus at the end of the year. And it's like, oh, finally, finally we made our money because we don't inflate our salaries because we want to be nimble and flexible. So matter of fact, we actually inflated them and then when now we deflated them back to where they should be yep. again. So here's your big bonus. And it's like, okay, now let's put all of that money back, give it back to taxes. And then for this bigger development, which hopefully will make us more money. Right. But like it's semi a crazy roller coaster. So do you want to be on a roller coaster or not? I guess it's that. And then don't, if you do don't overthink it and just jump in. And some other, some people also last the caveat, the last caveat I'll add to that one question is, Alex touched on this is what is your personality for me? I, I, I feel I get more stressed out by not being able to be in control. And so I need control and I'm not, but I'm, you know, even that said, I'm still not in control at the firm, but I'm in control of what my daily activities are generally are. Yeah. So it's, it's paramount. Yeah. So if you feel like you want to, I would not overthink it because overthinking it, you might plan out, I don't know. Just This is just for me personally because I don't think you know where it's going to take you. Because I don't think, even if I wanted to, when we started seven years ago, we had Lance, we're going to work at the college, we're going to do design build. Just say all this stuff. Just say, say all, all this stuff. stuff. And then what? You're going to be disappointed the four, first four years when that doesn't happen? Um, then you hear on other uh, podcasts, like Mark LePage podcast, which is a good one. There was this firm, this guy and girl, I think they're husband and wife, where they just want to do niche remodels and their dad app, you know, bought two places and they got to redo it. So redesign and build it. So it all worked out and maybe you can do that and, and that would be great. Um, but maybe that's not you. And then maybe sometimes people like us, like Lance and I, we have all this huge body of work or stuff and then we package it into something nice, neat and sleek. And that's what all these business coaches do. They, you know, they just tear around, they tear out all the BS and be like, here's going to be a foolproof plan. Here you go. And, I just don't think it works like that as much as people think. <laughs> so for me, it's a control thing. Yeah. You know, for you, does it? Do you think any of it? It's any, a freedom thing. Right. But do you think any like, of it has to do with you being like you, you? The other day you said I'm a rebel. 
Like yeah. I, you think that you're, you know, like you don't, you don't like rules, right? I don't like rules. So do you think any of that plays into it? Even though we still have to p- follow the rules, you know, with building codes and cities and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, but I get to argue with them more, and now I get to, <laughs> I get to come from a position of of power more. Now, okay. I think because now it's like, um, you don't say this, but you have the confidence. I'm coming as, um. The, the, the principal of this firm. Yeah. And I'm coming as an intern trying to get you to I see say my head. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have a, yeah. You have a bigger voice. Okay. Uh, yeah. I just don't like, I don't like listening to people. That's probably <laughs> <laughs> shout out Annie. Shout, shout out Annie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what was the second question? What was the second part of the question? And his name is Chase. Is that right? Chance? No, no, no. Sorry. I got it. It's Caleb. Caleb. I'm sorry. Caleb. I'm sorry, Caleb. Um, and then I forgot his last name, but uh, we don't have to. You don't have to do that. Yep. Uh, he, here's it is. Um, what about in a good economy? Is the desire and urge still there? And then would you go back? Well, to work yeah, into, Would so you go back to working and for I, someone and else? I, I'm I'm guessing the reason why Caleb asked that question is you know would you still start a f- firm in the, in a good economy? So we started ours in the worst economy ever. It was the bottom of the Great Recession, and we push came to shove is what I like to say over and over again, and that's why we because we had to eat. So that's why we started the started the firm. So would I still start it in a good economy? Absolutely. Well, then the obvious reason is because it's much easier to get work then. However. If you, I think the lesson to be learned or to keep in mind is, let's say somebody is listening to this right now and they are in Colorado, just like Caleb is, and he wants to go off and start his own firm. If he want, and it could be any business actually, it doesn't matter. If you're starting your business in at the height of an of an economy, how are you going to be prepared? How can you help yourself be prepared for when it's a bad economy and you still survive? Because it's always in the back of our Alex and I, Alex and our heads, our minds, how. When's it, when is it going to crash? When is it going to fall? How are we going to survive? Um, no matter what, you know, this is if this is the long game, how do you do that? So that that that's kind of my feedback for would you start? It, I don't think it matters what kind of economy. I think you can start a business in any kind of economy. I think there's going to be different lessons to be learned, and it's going to be easier or harder in all of those. But just know that for me, if I started a new one in, in the boom, how do I know when the bottom is there? Yeah, and be prepared that you can't operate the same in a boom as the bottom because maybe you start out and your fees are just throwing out a number a hundred dollars an hour yeah. but a and you bus, have a fancy office a fancy office you spend all kinds of money on marketing and stuff like that and you're able to come you're able to command a ton of fees yeah. like in, in big contracts all of a sudden that stuff starts going away like are, how how do you know how to strip down and be bare bones and quick and nimble there was a list of a bunch of companies that started in the recession and a bunch, even like, I swear IBM was on that list. And I almost think like, that's the best way to start out. Because what if you start, I think it is too. What if you start out a firm and then you like, you bought a plotter and you bought all, you know, like a $5,000 plotter and all that. And you're paying it off in increments. Well, you know if, what? If it busts, yeah. you're not going to sell that plotter for something, no, anything. Nobody's, nobody's going to buy it. Cause nobody, yeah, nobody's got any money. So maybe when you're start from the bottom, you only buy the plotter when you can pay for it in cash and then you don't worry about it. You know, so anybody who is thinking of starting a, a business anytime soon in a boom economy, first book I would read is The Lean Startup, because that has a ton of excellent ideas about st- starting very lean and then follow. Just try to keep that mindset all the way through your business. It can't hurt to run a clean machine. Yep. So Caleb goes on and he goes, insurance is a big consideration and a big cost. We'll just touch on this briefly. General liability is not that much. Do you know how much ours is? 
Right now, ours is only about is only about um, a thousand a year, and that's because we mainly do single family. Yep. However, we have looked into <laughs> and are currently doing uh, condos. So if you have to have insurance for that, you have to have it for seven or eight years, and I think it's what seventy thousand dollars for that seven year period. For that seven year period, it's seventy thousand dollars. So, so basically, ten thousand dollars a year. So our insurance, if we get this big condo project, which we want. Um, will inflate by a th- as a thousand percent. Yep. So it is a big consideration only if you're doing big projects. Uh, so this leads to his last questions. Um, uh, also wondering about experience. So this goes about like what projects you go after when you start your, start your firm, whether getting more experience at a bigger firm on bigger projects is worth it in the long run and whether working for uh, too long solo, would it, make it difficult to get a good job down, uh, down the road. So he's semi solo right now. So like, he's wondering like, if I stay solo, then can I go work for SOM? You know? So two, two part, the first part of the question, um, I think you could, I think it could hurt you if you were at a very big firm for a very long time. And then you go solo because you're unless when you go solo, you're like Julie Snow and you steal a big corporate client, then everything is then the oh, the world is your oyster. But let's say you're let's say you're at a big firm like SOM and you and you go solo all the way down to one person. Chances are you're probably going to be doing light commercial and maybe heavier heavier residential, so like multifamily stuff, right? I think those clients are not used to full service packages like the big firms do. Um, like even, even construction administration, we got asked to do, to include construction administration on this condo project, which for us is a very big contract. We were like, Oh, nobody ever wants to pay for that. I'm surprised you guys want to pay for that. And they were said, Oh yeah, it's a no brainer. We guys want you to do construction administration. Um, so that could, that could hurt you. Like you might, again, you might have trouble being lean and mean solo. If you come from a firm with a lot of cushion, big fees, they're, you're used to you know, pushing a lot of paper around, a lot of bureaucracy, and all of a sudden you're not dealing with that bureaucracy. Here's here's a way I think you could go solo from a big firm. <clears throat> so I know a developer who was talking to a lady in New York um, who does skyscrapers. And by skyscrapers, I mean like maybe 20, 20 to you know 80 stories, like somewhere in there. And she basically was selling this guy and said, I've already done three of them you know, where the head lady. So if, if it could be skyscrapers, it could be schools, it could be whatever. And you would have to develop relationships, however you do it with developers and be like, Oh, why can't I just pull this lady out of that big firm and then her do a skyscraper for me or Mm. a tall building. Right. But if you were that, that lady or that guy, um, you would want, I would want a couple on the hook, right? A couple developers on the hook. Yep. So once you, cause once you're done with the job, what do you got? Yep. So yep. like one that signed the contract, then you leave, but two that are like pretty close because it took, could take a year for you to sign those contracts. So know your niche and know like, how are you going to sell yourself? Because if you go to a big firm and you do some of this and some of this and some of that, is that appealing or not appealing? Then, oh, I do churches and I'm awesome at churches. And then know too, okay, go after the clientele that isn't going after the name of SOM. They don't want the name of SOM. They want you out of there so that their costs are 30% lower, but they know that you have all that experience. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to do it. Um, I would come at it from an employee. So we've, we had a gentleman interview, and now he's doing uh, 
he's, he's working as an independent contractor for us as, on a trial period. But he came from a very big firm. And we asked, why are you here in the interview with us today? Because he, the firm was, I think, 40 plus, and they do giant public work. And we do not do giant public work, right? We're six people strong now. Seven, I guess, now. Yeah. Um, so he, he, he's, his answer was very simple. He just said, uh, you know, I just felt like a cog in the machine, and I was not getting... Uh, I was not getting like, I wasn't able to push a project through from the beginning to end and understand the whole gamut of everything. He's like, I was just like a red line monkey. And he's like, and, and so he said, I want to do residential so that I can understand a project from the beginning to the end. Um, so I don't know. It's probably, it's a learning curve both ways. I think it's a learning curve yep. both ways. So wasn't the second part of the question, if you go, if you move into a big firm? It, no, if you're too long solo, will it make it difficult? Right? I don't think so at all. I think those people, so... Uh, Christopher Hare Studio HT. They were they were they after they split up. Very very cool firm, and I I worked for them. Very nice guys too. Worked for them right when I got here. Uh, they uh, when they broke up, then and and the firm and the firm disintegrated. He went and worked for a big firm in Denver, I think HDR, and they were salivating at the that the idea of having him, and as a solo act coming into a big firm, and instantly jumping into a pro, being a project. Uh, designer architect like kind of in charge of huge huge buildings because they just assume you know what the heck you're doing at that point you've 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 proven yourself as a sole practitioner you should be you should know every part of the business every part of the design scheme all the codes everything i mean i think they i don't think it would hurt you whatsoever i guarantee alex and i could go get a job at a big firm and we would we could we could maybe salary would be higher than here for sure our base salary would be higher than here we'd have insurance all that better insurance probably and all that kind of stuff um and we, I think we can actually leapfrog people that are a little bit more qualified or sorry, a little bit older than us. Um, because I think we might look more qualified because we've run the firm for so long. Literally ran 24 townhomes through the whole gamut and did everything. Yeah. You know, like a project and then be like, well, if you can do it for that, what's the difference between 24 and a hundred unit? We have a hundred unit. We're going to get a whole bunch of money. We're only going to pay you, you know, that much. And honestly, if you're doing just townhomes, 24 units, 100 units, it's not four times as hard. <laughs> it's really not. It's 1.5 times as hard, and you can make that you know stretch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those were our user questions. Well, no, no, questions. there wasn't the last one. Wasn't the last one? So the last one was this. I think. I think Ooh, it was. I got one more. There's... Oh, okay. Well, go ahead then. You first. No, no, no. You said what you think it is. Because I thought we. I were... think it's could I go work for anybody else? No. <laughs> Oh, could you? Yeah. So the question to, to us was, uh, could, and now that you've worked for your, for yourselves for so long, could you go work for somebody else? Alex and I have this conversation, I think maybe once a quarter, uh, driving around and I ask him like, God, can you imagine trying to go work for somebody else? And oftentimes it's because we have met with, say it's a builder who has like a design team, or maybe even it's another firm or a small firm or something like that who wants us to come help them. And uh, we love all of our business partners and everything, but we think we run a very well-oiled machine at F9. And we think we're organized, and we think we have a nice system, and everybody is on the same page. And and especially our modeling skills with Revit. We, we see these, we see what everybody else is doing, and we think, what, what a crap show. What a crap show. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having to deal with that kind of bureaucratic crap show? in some other, some other big scenario firm or something like that. So, and then again, the personal flexibility, if I just, I just couldn't have it. If I couldn't have it, I don't know. That's, it means it's pretty valuable to me. Yep. Um, I, I agree a hundred percent, but who, (laughs) 
But then who knows? Let's say the whole economy in Colorado tanks, <laughs> right? And then one of my old firms that I know back in wherever, Rochester, New York, whatever, is like, hey, come work for, you know, whatever. Let's just say 75 because that's the number. I, then maybe you'll see us at another firm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, generally, absolutely yes. But, you know, if people are starving and babies need to be fed and Annie needs her money, then Annie needs her money. But uh, you know what? Even if we did go work for them, uh, I can just see Alex and I having a conversation personally after work one day and just complaining, complaining that we don't have control and like, yeah. I don't know. We, I hate how they do this. I hate how they do this this way. I just, we, here's how we do it. And then we go, yeah, yeah, that's what we yeah, do. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, we yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we just agree. <laughs> Maybe that's what you guys are doing. Well, probably them too, but everyone listening too. <laughs> So know what? How about this? This is what I do in those situations. And this would Lance would say to me or I'd say to him, well, then why don't you just do it there? And don't ask. Don't ask permission. Just do it. Yeah. And know what? Which is sometimes really good. Um, just doing you, it and not asking, asking permission. Doing it and asking permission later. Something yeah. like that. So there's a difference. And here's the difference. With these, I know townhomes, right? My first couple ones, I did not know. You, th- you think of townhome. You look up townhome in the dictionary. My face. Al Gore. Al Gore's punum is right there. Right there. So with these new ones that we're doing for our developments, I'm very confident in like what we're doing, how we're going to do it, any decisions we need to make, you know, good to go. Uh, Obviously bouncing off ideas. So if you are very specialized in something and at a different firm and think that they're doing it wrong and you know more about that than probably everyone else at their firm and they, then you do something, they ask, why did you do that? And if you convince them that it was better, it saved money and it was quicker, your boss is probably like, oh, well, cool. Well, okay. Keep doing it. <laughs> Good job. So I gotta imagine. I gotta. I have to imagine that those people, like principals at a big firm, of maybe forty or fifty people or bigger, they're 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 thinking the same thing that Alex and I think. And a lot of the times, it's you know we'll hand work to our guys, and it's just we just want it to be done professionally and done well. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot of. We don't, surprisingly, we don't have a lot of vested interest in like doing all the, the design work anymore. Yeah. It's more about doing work professionally and doing it well and then making, making the firm profitable so everybody gets paid and we all get to do fun stuff. Yeah. So a boss thoughts to you when you want to do something is, um, is it better? Is, can you make it better? So I was just going over a floor plan with Jason. He's like, ah, I don't like this. And I go, actually, I don't like the floor plan as much either, but I don't know what to do. And I go, maybe you could do this or this. And he's like, I think I can, I can do something. I can make it better. I'm like, go ahead, go ahead and do it. <laughs> you know? And it was because like his initial idea made you know sense. But if it was something where like, oh, I want to do this and it's going to waste time and it necessarily might not be better, then you're going to get a no. And you need to realize like, which way are you going? Are you wasting time or are you improving stuff? Yeah. Because, and then think about what is the definition of wasting time? Are you making it better for the end user or are you making it better for you? And if you're making it better for you, is that for the efficiency of the firm or just because like you think it'd be cool? You know? Yeah. Does that all make sense? Yeah. Um, so was there a not last, last question? Yes. Last question, not from him. He ends it up. Uh, awesome. So far, guys, it's awesome how far you've taken F9. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Caleb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how much? Uh, let's say you're going to start off. How is much did you me? charge? Is this for me? This is for you. And let's see if you get the answer right. I'll tell you. How oh. much is you charge right now? Yep. Per hour? Per hour. How do you do it? Here, so here, here's the new metric I would come up with, okay? Yeah. I would, uh, I think it's a completely subjective question. 
Yeah. So I would look at my living situation and I would see how much it costs me per month to live, right? And then you add a little bit on that for like spending money, right? And then I divide that by 160 hours. And then I say, there's what I need to get paid. There's what I, that's what I need to make per hour. And then times that by three. Perfect. Okay, awesome. That's what I was going to say. Slightly different. Did I get what? Did I get it right? You got it right. Yay! You get a star. I'll put it like, I'm marking a star on the desk here for you. That's for you. Pick I thought you had, you. I thought, honestly thought you had like a trick question or something. No, put that in your heart, bud. Okay. Um, so let's say uh, you figure out how much you need to live. Yep. Say it's Let's say it's 75K. Divide that by how many hours you're going to work, right? Um, so 40 hours per week times 50 weeks because you'll take two weeks off. Whatever that is. So let's say that equals $25 an hour. Okay. So the multiple of when you're billing out is you times that by three or so between two and three. So maybe if you're a lean startup, you want to just do two at the beginning. So between 50 and 75. Exactly. If you wanted 75 K, right? If you're like, Oh, I need 125 K because I'm fancy. Right. And you got to do the math. Yep. Um, But that multiplier will allow for, honest to God, screw ups on your own end where you just have to fix something for free from a client or you underestimated a project or, and then on top of that insurance, yeah. uh, downtime marketing, all over. Yeah. All the overhead. And then I forgot who said it, but I think it was, uh, uh, who's that life of the architect podcast. Shout out. He broke down hourly wages and all that. And he goes, how much should everyone be billing out? So like your main guys, like all the guys at the, the office, I think it's like 85 or 90%. And then it gets to like project managers at like 75%. And then it gets to like boss bosses. So I like our billable rate is probably, I remember, was it Monday or Tuesday? You're like, it's noon. I haven't even done a look at work. And by that, he meant like emails and like stuff you can't really bill out, coordinating, calling people. It's so crazy how many five minute phone calls add up, you know? I, like I said, I, I usually average 20 to 25 hours of billable work a week. And that's it. The exactly. rest is management, going out, meeting a client, all kinds of stuff like that. So, and, and I know uh, one boss I worked for, he was an electrician. He goes, all I do is get work. I don't bill out anything. I just make sure all my guys are billed out. So, um, I think the number is sometimes it's like 30%, like billable rate, um, 30 to 50. So, you know what I've thought about too lately? What? Um, this was, so one of our, one of our, uh, our oldest employee ever. Um, meaning that he, he he's worked with us the longest, is leaving, and we're actually going to go have beers at 5 and uh, send him off to, to his new job. Um, but he asked us during his exit interview last week, he said, how do you how do you guys think I, I should negotiate salaries? Like, what? You know, how do I know what I'm worth? And so one thing that I've been thinking, I got to cut in because I go I was going to go on this long rant on how it's subjective and you got to apply this. And Lance's like, no, it's easy. It's Eighteen dollars an actually, hour. Actually, 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 Alex goes. Well, well, there's no real science behind it. Yeah, I said that, <laughs> but I wasn't thinking that way. I, so, what we're gonna get into, and I think what you're getting into too, is like you got to get in the mind, like what, what are who you're asking money? What is their perspective? Hey, what is their perspective? That is and, exactly what I'm getting into, and that's what I was getting at before I was mercilessly shot down. Oh yeah, <laughs> I crushed him with the math. Crush him with the math. Anyway, so. What for me, what I've been looking at is um, because because Alex and I recognize that basically at best we're only half billable, even though we bill at a higher rate generally. It's so important to us to have our guys bill who are who are more bill you know, are doing more of the drafting and the design work 
90% of the time to have them 90% billable because they have, they are crucial to making up for the part where we're not billable in order to make the firm work. It's like this symbiotic relationship. So I, you know what I mean? It's like the mother and the, it's like the mother and the baby in the womb. 100%. That's what it's like. So know that you are valuable. Even if you are just a designer or like a junior architect at a firm, but know that, so know that if you left tomorrow, you might, you might really make it difficult on that firm to grow or like make up for when you left, when you left because, and it could hurt the books really quickly. So you're valuable because of that. It's not just, it's not, it's, you're, you're not invaluable because you're getting paid less. In a lot of ways, you're equally as valuable. Yep. So, but here's the subjective part and it goes to your skills because the real true nuts and bolts answer is, okay, what is your billable? Like, what do I pay you? Let's say $18 an hour. What can I bill you out at? You know, 65, 70. If you want to ask for a raise, it's, um, one, can you increase that ratio? Like if I pay you $22 an hour, are you going to make, could somehow, are you more efficient? So more efficient, more quick. Are you quicker? Yep. Or would it, would it, if, if you left, would it take me longer to get a person like you to do the same job? So is it just worth it for me to pay you 20 instead of 18? And one way to do that would be literally keep, maybe you start keeping track. Everybody's got a timer at work. And if they don't, you, you better have a timer. Yeah. Um, I mean, a digital timer that keeps track of down to the second, especially if somebody who's starting out, start a timer. It's crazy to me that you would write it down on paper mm-hmm. and then lose it. So keep track of your tasks. You know, let's say, let's say you're working in a firm and all you guys do are spec houses for builders, right? You could keep track and compare each single project. So by the time you're on your third project, you, you, you could show the boss, Hey, it took me 60 hours in the first one, 40 hours in the second, the third, second one, 20 hours in the, on the third one. So I know you're making, I know the firm is making money. So why, why isn't my pay increasing as a result? Yep. And then going back to skills, I feel like we do a good job where we match people to what their skills are. So um, Jason is really good at photography. He does it on the side too. So he, he touched up a lot of our photos. Um, Josh is really good at carpentry too. So we're like, Oh, okay. If we ever need something on, on this new build, we know we can send them out to the field and say, do this eight times to all of them. I was joking with our real estate agent, uh, on Monday that Josh is going to be, Josh is our maintenance manager. He doesn't even know it. Yeah. He doesn't. <laughs> and he is, is he listening? Yeah. Oh, has headphones on. Yeah. He can't hear. <laughs> um, but but then, do you ever think like? Um, well, I actually think this. I think there are useless skills that people try to think are useful, and we don't really think are that useful. I never think that. So why don't you enlighten me? Okay. Um, you hand drafted during your schooling years and in your free times eight floor plans. Useless. You honestly useless. Uh, okay. You might realize spatial relationships a little bit better, blah, blah, blah. Um, can you sketch in from a, a front of a client that is useful, useful. but maybe you don't, ha- and maybe you haven't emphasized that. Maybe you should emphasize yep. that, but it might not be that useful right now because you will not be in front of clients. <laughs> Lancer, I will be in front of clients, oh. but, um, so you more useful would be, did you turn those into CAD and did they actually work out, you know, and by CAD, I mean Revit. Um, because please get off AutoCAD. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you're on AutoCAD. I if don't you're, know if you're on AutoCAD and you'd like to make the switch, we go to RevitFurniture.com. Revit Furniture, our sponsor. No. <laughs> okay, it is. Uh, please do. There's free training there. If Honestly, I know we're joking, and maybe you heard this too much, but if you're in AutoCAD, unless you're going to be the 
David Samala and be hand drafting for the rest of your life and you're just a really famous person and like you can do that and you have your little niche, get get with the program. I don't mean to literally get the get with the literally get with the program. Uh, Archicad it's it's not as good as as Revit. Uh, it's just a fact. I'm sorry if you're on it. It might be good in your little niche. SketchUp is okay for houses. That's fine if you're just doing houses, but get with the program, people. Get with the program. Be for, be professional. Yeah. Get get Revit. Yeah. Sorry if I offended you, but that's real. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to help. Um, that's it. That's it for like current questions. You want to talk about past past projects? Sure. Um, I got one for you. Okay. It was the Grant Street edition, and I bring it up because of pictures. So, uh, what does every what does every architect uh, or designer or designer or actually anybody who does anything? You could be a landscape professional. You know, uh, like a design like a uh, you install landscapes, right? Yep. Anybody who produces anything tangible that you can see with their visible eye, what do they want at the end of the day so that they can get more clients? Pictures. Photographs, exactly. Uh, and so we have it written into our contract that we can use uh, our design. Work. First of all, it's just copyrighted that it's our design work and they can't repeat the design work anywhere. That's actually not what we're concerned about. Yep. And just to let you know, if that's not in your contract, that has been precedence, legal precedence that the design is actually yours. So... If um, your clients have the right to that design on that piece of property. So even if, I don't know, a hurricane happens, blows it all down, they have the design, the copyright to that design, not copyright, I'm using the wrong word, but that design on that property, they could rebuild it. If everything was okay and kosher in the building, they could say, okay, they can't take your design and go put it on another piece of property and not pay you anything unless you already worked that out with them that they could. Some people do. Some people do repeat fees, yep. Yep, yep, which is totally reasonable. Yep. Actually, I think on Entree or on the if you go to the Entree Architect community, shout out. There are there have been threads. There has been thread after thread after thread about people talking about what should I charge for a repeat fee, like on a house or some other commercial project or something like that. So uh, if you if you honestly want to know, go. Ch- I would just run through that thread on Facebook. Awesome, they're awesome. Uh, so sorry, back to oh, the back to the Grand Street Grand Street thing. Uh, this was a custom house, and uh, when we were you know five years ago, Alex and I were just starving for those photographs because we didn't have any built. We had hardly any built work, and it just they a picture is literally worth a thousand dollars for us, not a thousand words, mm-hmm. because we could then convince people. You know, a lot of people look at us and they still look at us like we're super young. I mean, I get accused all the time of like, you have four kids, you look like you're 21. Uh, so having that photograph and be even able to... Even with your gray hair? Even gray hair, even old man. Gray hair, yeah, never stop. I got carded the other day. Yeah. Uh, fiance didn't get carded though. She got made fun of. <laughs> <laughs> By you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone made fun of her mercilessly for two hours. I don't know who it could be. <laughs> could have been anyone. Could have been anybody. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, we... We did this really cool. I thought it was. And I still think it is a really cool modern, modern, like pop top on this old bungalow in Denver. And there's a ton of old bungalows everywhere, right? So that's a really hot thing to do right now in in Denver because basically all the land has been bought up. People want to live downtown or near downtown. Uh, there's a lot of walkable neighborhoods, so people are really buying. nice neighborhoods. Really nice neighborhoods, yeah. And walkable with like they have a little grocery store. They've got places to eat bars you got a park and then even on like pearl street not in boulder but in denver like if you live near there park burger shout out park burger go if you're ever in denver go to park burger it's like a you live in like a mini nice small town in some of those neighborhoods very norman very norman rockwell yeah so people want to move there but or live there and continue living there the problem is like they start having babies and then they panic because they have no room because they realize babies take up 
three times as room, much room with all their crap as grown adults. So we got it. We did a pop top. It was one of our very first ones, and they wanted to do modern. We thought, and most architects want to do modern. So we were just salivating at this. Over the moon. Over the moon. Sorry, I thought you were going to say more than that. Nope. Uh, so we did the project. It turned out really cool. And we went to go ask if we could send. We finally also had enough money to send. We'd hire a professional photographer and send her out there to take architectural photographs for us. And they said no. <laughs> they said no. They didn't want the attention. Um, it was very a very hermit vibe. Like it was, it, you know, they just thought. We were going to tell people where their house is and like... Yeah, put their address. It, and it, well, here's why it was strange to us. I'll just be honest. It's strange to us because... Um, who, 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 yeah, you have a cool house, but like, what do you think? You're going to have paparazzi on you? That's where it came... <laughs> honestly, honestly, that was the thing. Like, do you think this is going to make you famous? Or and, and even if... So honestly, we've been in... Uh, a lot of major magazines. We've been on TV multiple times. We're still on TV every two weeks. Check yeah. it out. No one recognizes us in our hometown. I, it <laughs> debuted. I swear. I swear. I swear to God. I debuted and I went went to the grocery store the next day just waiting for people to notice me. <laughs> Nobody noticed me. The cashier that's known me for five years barely noticed me. Exactly. So, my kids. You know what? My mom was at my house actually like three weeks ago and she goes, wouldn't it be great? If I, I just always dreamed about being like a movie star's personal assistant. And then I ran into the room and I go, I'm on television. You can be my assistant. How much money do you need? Yeah. Nobody notices. Nobody notices. <laughs> yeah. In the paper. No man. So it was like, what do you think is going to happen here? It was just like uh, delusional, delusional, really. Um, so, so, so what do you do? What do you do, Alex? What do you do if somebody, if you have a client like that, you have a really cool project you've done. How can you still use that as a portfolio piece legally and maybe just, um, what is the word? Morally. Yep. Legally and morally. We've had a developer who then thought to just, just to go on this train. Um, nope. Can't use pictures because what is it? What's, what's in it for me? This is how greedy some developers are. And that's what it came down to was what is in it for me guys? If I let you photograph it. Yep. And then we had one more where, and this one was a little bit more understandable and it was a fortune 500 company, one that everyone would recognize and all of their logos were pasted on there. So like they didn't want us. It rhymes with new <laughs> all that. And, uh, you know, like they didn't want us entering competitions and stuff like that because honestly, like it would look like they were doing it. So, we photoshopped. We even, we even thought it was kind of a bad idea to enter it into competitions because we thought nobody's going to vote for that. Yeah. But sorry, what do we do? What do we do to make so, it so we could use it? But those? we did legally have the right to use it on our Facebook and our website and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, because again, and, that was in our contract. We explicitly wrote that out that yep. at any time, any photographs that we personally take, we can use it on all of these. And we spelled it out thumbtack, Facebook, all this stuff. Yep. Because that is our portfolio, right? It is online now. And then we photoshopped all the logos out because. We understand their concern. Like, they're not mar- because they want to be. They want to be in control of their message because they're such big boys, right? Like big. You we know. totally get that. Yep. But the other people, the the but the private people, the non Fortune 500. Um, what you can do because Google can do it. It's legally you can do it. Google it, has set the precedent. Yep. Oh my lord! You can take pictures from pu- uh, public property, which is the street or the sidewalk. Yep. So there you go. That's totally within your right. You can do that. Um, we even actually were in a meeting with that developer who said, what am I going to get out of it? And we go, I mean, I just look at him and I said, 
what if you can't do anything if we take pictures from the street? Did you know that? And he goes, yeah. yeah. So it is what it is. Exactly. So that's all you can do. Um, I guess maybe we're whining that they won't let us into their house, but at, we do understand like, yes, you have the legal right to not let people into your property and, and take pictures from the inside. But the, but the thing at the end of the day about the, okay, back to the house, the house but that's that started a, that's the assume- conversation is we did have it in our contract. We did have it in our contract yep. that we could do photographs. So they and technically both broke the contract. And also we're not strangers either. Like we have literally talking every week for six months. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. I have actually been in your house all the time. We're actually talking in your house right now. <laughs> I actually just gave your kid a toy. <laughs> and, we're just <laughs> and we're not creepy. At least yeah. I don't think so anyway. Yeah. Um, so thanks for know, the warm coffee I'm drinking as we <laughs> speak. And this is coming from, this is coming from, uh, I mean, so, so I've also lately been trying to even, I still think about it because I, I just do, uh, trying to see it from their point of view. So, I built a house this last year. In my neighborhood, everybody calls it the glass house because it has a ton of glass and you can see into the house, right? It, it's not unnerving or anything. It's actually a, a beautiful place to live. But once once a day, once a day, if I am working at home from, from our office, people drive by very slowly and stop in front of our house. Sometimes they take photographs. I always wave to them politely. And then sometimes they wave back or sometimes they get embarrassed and they drive away. But our house is like one now one of the more famous houses in like North Longmont. And so I was thinking, okay, am I unnerved by this? Not at all. Because actually, actually people just like when I send uh, the FedEx, the FedEx guy will call me and he'll be, you know, he say like, it's a new development, it's a new neighborhood. And then he doesn't know. I go, don't even worry about GPS. Right when you get past the highway, look to your left. There's a house that doesn't look like anything, any of the other houses, and it's all made out of glass. They they find it easily. Yep. But that's me. I'm, I'm disappointed in you. You wave at them? You don't stretch awkwardly at them and look them straight in the, the eyes? <laughs> well, I, I look at them awkwardly straight in the eyes, but I wave creepily. Uh, I would do stretches. <laughs> you have to do stretches and bends and just like... Because they're thinking... Are you getting ready for something? Are you going to chase me? This looks weird. That's what I would do, but you know, that's why we're different people, I I guess. But my point is, if you build, and I'm a quote unquote rock star house or like a modern cool house, right? (laughs) (laughs) A cool house. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But you had to see his face. A rock star house. (laughs) You don't know. You can see my face in your voice right now. Uh, I don't know. You're kind of asking for attention anyway. Like, if you if you design if you pop the top anything on different a, if you do anything frick. unique yeah there's the it's word like, what are you doing with your life yeah. thinking people are oh don't give me following you it's like wearing a fancy hat that's you know very weird and flamboyant and huge and be like why are you staring it's at virtue me? Like, signaling and not wanting the virtue get like, out of here get out of here go back home okay do we have time for one more I think one more we're one gonna, more. we're gonna hit an hour today wow everyone look lucky, at that. lucky you happy Friday lucky ha- all of you happy Friday happy St Patrick's Day speaking of St Patrick's Day. Four clover leaves, multiple streams of income, multiple niches. Uh, one thing that we do, not only are we residential, but you guys might not know, uh, we do a lot of assisted living facilities. and Which are really trendy and hot right now. Yep. So I, we don't even advertise. I don't even think it's really on our website. We just Sometimes are, we're... Some, so a lot of times... 
<laughs> we were going to interview today earlier with Mark LePage, and he goes, you guys are great. You guys are so good at getting published. Like, I would like you guys to speak about, you know, or put something together about getting published. So we're really, it seems like some people think we're really good about doing, like getting our name out there, but admittedly, we're terrible also yeah. about getting our name out there. So we, we don't advertise for these group poems that we do, but we do a ton of them. Yep. Um, and what's great about that is we just had right we are late to that meeting to the mark sorry <laughs> because uh, a guy wants to do it and he came and he was asking us all these questions and honestly uh a lot of people are you know nervous or afraid only because it's stuff that they don't know that they don't have a handle on it like that's why you're nervous of or afraid of it of, of doing these group homes no of doing anything anything sure. anything in sure, general sure, sure, you know sure, what i mean sure. just think about doing a new sport doing whatever starting a, a new firm but it was just great because we know so much about it. Just ant- just every one of his questions, just knock it out of the park, knock it out of the and park. And Alex, Alex isn't even. I'm. I've been the project manager in all of them, but even Alex just knew as well <laughs> a lot of stuff about him. Yeah. Um. But and also, what's great about it too is I don't know about you because we don't do all rock star crazy stuff. I feel good when we get projects that can feed our firm and our guys make a good living and it can allow us to do some cool stuff. And we went out to eat at the job site today and we bought everyone, you know, like, so I don't, makes me feel good. Even these simple, simple projects that I think architects maybe hide from or are shy from or whatever, like God, we think it's great. So, so what the, the project, yeah. And, and they're, they're feel good because they're actually feel good projects because they are for people with, with mental or physical disabilities. Um, so I, I feel good personally about uh, like giving back design wise that way and creating spaces and environments, build environments for those people to live a happy and healthy life. And I truly believe they do. They do because I've, we've walked through the buildings and the owners of the buildings have come back to us as repeat clients saying, I, I sold out of all the rooms because everybody walked in. They like the space is amazing this and you know with that, and not huge budgets either yep it isn't huge sink you know like uh glass modern craziness it's it's very typical materials nicely done and then we think about movement like a principle of these of these buildings are movement so there's an internal like circulation track where they can walk around and and just talk and then there's always an ex- external circulation track so even like that small thing of just always having that I think makes a big difference in quality of life. And I don't know. We feel good about it. It's excellent repeat work. So so what we're getting at is, we've said this before, is even though on our website you go look at it and like we look like we do just only cool modern stuff, right? That's not the case. Like those houses are rock like, star stuff. Quote unquote rock star stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we do those. We do, the, we, do, we do that kind of stuff. Or even like the Nubaru build. We did that. It was like once a year. So we'll do like one or two website worthy projects per year. The rest, the rest of it is honest, honest to God is bread and butter work, but it's, we try to, we do put our best effort in it. Right. Well, and I think this is the other point is that your niche doesn't only have to be houses. Your niche doesn't only have to be townhouses. You can be multiple things. Yep. Or be the four cloverleafs that you're talking about, right? Bam. Put it all together. Happy St. Patrick's day. We hope you have a good weekend. Ciao.